Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here again, that hymn, just one stanza from it. O blessed day when first was poured. Stanza number five. Lord, circumcise our heart, we pray, and take what is not thine away. Write thine own name upon our hearts, thy law within our inward parts. It is a prayer for every Christian on this, the eighth day of Christmas. We ask for our God to continue to keep our heart clean and pure, looking for the promises to be fulfilled, which God has also declared to us through not only the prophets, but also his son and the apostles. At the end of eight days, our Lord Jesus, he was circumcised. He was circumcised in the flesh, and he was called Jesus, the name that the angel Gabriel had declared to Mary and to Joseph. The Old Testament, we know, can be divided into three laws. There is the moral law, the civil law, and the ceremonial law. These were all given by God to the nation of Israel. It was to keep them set apart. In every bit of their life, in every aspect of their life, they were to look different, sound different, act different. The moral law was to tell them what is right and wrong. Yes, there is an objective truth. There is knowledge to be had amongst all of us that is certain and can be taken to the bank, as they would say. It is right to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your mind. And as Jesus says, there is a second law that is like the first, to love your neighbor as yourself. God has given his perfect will and expressed righteousness in the giving of the moral law. Now, the civil law was also given by God in order to carry out justice. That is, what is right judgment in order to keep them as a nation that follows the moral law they needed to judge rightly. And so God gave to them the civil law. They had regulations for capital punishment, for inheritance, for all sorts of judicial regulations. And they followed them for a time and then they would fall away and pick them back up time and time again. But it was still always there for this nation to be a nation called after God to follow this civil law. They were to look different from every other nation under heaven. And finally came the ceremonial law. This law concerned worship. Now, many of us would say that this law reminds us of all of the sacrifices for all the different things, whether it's thank offerings or to purify oneself or to atone for sin. But there were other things like weekly observances of Sabbaths, the distinction between what meats are clean and unclean, the things that we are often accused of as Christians of no longer following. More on that later. But yes, you can still eat shellfish, but not the nation of Israel. They were under a law of God that separated them from other nations. Now, one of the oldest 
ceremonial laws that was to keep them righteous and faithful to the covenant that God made was the law of circumcision. This was part of the ceremonial laws. And God gave it to Abraham 400 years before Moses brought down the two tablets from the mountain. So it is to be an everlasting sign of the covenant in the flesh. Interesting. That Abraham and every male descendant, everyone that was brought into his home, had to bear a physical sign in their flesh. And if it was a child, a male born into their household at the eighth day, there was the cutting off of the foreskin. It was to prophesy to them, to continually remind them every time a new male child was born into their homes that Christ was coming. Christ was coming in the flesh. And he was going to be of their descendants. It was also a remembrance that blood has to be shed. There is no forgiveness. There is no life without the shedding of blood. In order for their sins to be atoned for, the coming Messiah would have to shed his blood. And finally, it was a good sign for them that they were members of God's covenant. It depended, this covenant, not upon the faithfulness of Israel, for we know that that covenant would have been long dissolved. It was dependent upon God's faithfulness to his people. But this circumcision placed a Jewish boy under the whole law. It placed him under not only the moral law, the Ten Commandments, which we know well, but also under the ceremonial law and under the civil law. He was to keep the whole law. St. Paul testifies to this in Galatians chapter 5 when he writes, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. So this brings us then to our gospel lesson today. We see that our Lord Jesus Christ, now in just being eight days old, undertakes to accomplish for the whole world the keeping of the entire law. It was his act of obedience to show forth that he would be the righteous one whom God himself had elected, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. It was also to foreshadow a passive obedience because this was the day when first was poured the blood of our Lord. It would be that this blood first outpoured here would be outpoured again in the fullest of ways upon his death, even death on the cross. And also then you see that as I taught to you over Advent, that this Child's name, Jesus, actually means something. He was called Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. You see this, that what Jesus undertakes now, his active righteousness to keep the whole law, was for your salvation. Had he not been brought under the law to keep it, what righteousness before God would there be? But no, he undertakes it all for you so that he might save you from your sins. This was not just some title 
this name. But it was what God was doing. God was saving through his son, Jesus, our Lord. God has fulfilled his own law given for his people on our behalf. God has also made a way for us through our transgressions by the blood that was shed by Christ. He is the sinless son of God who has taken upon himself our human flesh and has given his life over into death that we might have his perfect righteousness and his life. We think about how painful circumcision must have been for Abram and for all of his descendants who were not just eight days old, but were very old. But it was something important that God did for his people. It was a demonstration that the sinful flesh has to be cut off. If the sinful flesh is not cut off, a person cannot be saved. It seems so basic, but at the same time, what a visible sign this must have been. For Jesus says in John chapter 3, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. We know that what is flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God because it is by nature sinful and unclean. But circumcision was an outward sign of what God would do for his people. God later writes in Ezekiel chapter 36 that he would take from them the heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. That he would sprinkle them with clean water and they would be clean. What happened here as an outward sign was also to be for them a remembrance of what God was going to do to their hearts. He was going to circumcise their heart, cut out what is evil and give them what is good. Take what has made them tainted with sin and wash them that they might be clean. But circumcision done in the flesh only cut off a bit of the flesh. But God says that the whole body of sin must be brought to nothing. Therefore, we must, as Christians, look and find that place where God has said, I have brought your body of sin to nothing and have given you a new life. It is where the Bible speaks of us being saved through the circumcision of the heart, a circumcision not made with hands, done by not removing a piece of our flesh, but by completely killing the body and crucifying it with Christ. Here I am speaking of baptism. God has given to us a spiritual circumcision that we might be saved, for we are otherwise condemned to hell in our sin. This spiritual circumcision is one that removes entirely the body of sin and brings it to nothing. And then resurrects us and clothes us with the pure righteousness of Jesus the Christ so that we may stand before God in holiness. Hear what St. Paul writes in Colossians chapter 2. In Christ also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, 
by the putting off of the body of flesh, by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So here you have, dear Christians, received this special spiritual circumcision that not removes just a little bit of the flesh, but removes the entire body of sin and clothes you with Christ. God has given you a new birth of water and the Spirit by which you have been saved. He has joined you to himself in his death and resurrection and has given to you a new and blessed life. So consider this. Every time that a a man would sire a new generation in the Old Testament, he would be reminded that from his flesh would come then one who would redeem his flesh. Every woman would know this, that as their child, their male son was brought to be circumcised on the eighth day, that this family, which was joined together in this one flesh union, was no longer following the rules of the world, but was following the law of God, was no longer setting their own minds upon the will of the flesh, but was thinking always to the will of God. Wherever this was done, The law of God was magnified and the will of God was being followed. And wherever it was not put before the people, there they went astray following their own gods, following the flesh. So think about it within our own communities, within our own families, where baptism is upheld. There we have families not following the flesh nor the will of man, but they are submitting themselves to Christ, who is their Redeemer and their Savior. And they are being called after Christ. They are called Christians. Now, unfortunately, there are many people who call themselves Christians who have been baptized and yet do not set their minds upon the things of God. It is sad when we see such things. But this was no different from the nation of Israel, who also went their own way, even having been circumcised in the flesh. Thus, we must ask God, pray to God, that he call us again to be reminders of that as we walk out of these doors. For every time that you leave this church, this sanctuary, and you say to someone who has said, who are you? You say to them, I am a Christian. I am baptized. You are declaring what God is doing. You are declaring that God is the one who raises you up, who was lost in sin and death and damned to hell, and God is the one who saved you. When you say to your family members who join around you, those that you know have been baptized, those that you know have been catechized in the faith, that we are going to pray before we eat, that we are going to confess our faith, we are going to share together in the Lord's Prayer. When you say these things, 
You are stating that you no longer follow the flesh and its passions, but you have crucified them with Christ. And that you also say by these words that you follow the will of God. Do not be ashamed of your baptism. Do not be ashamed of the spiritual circumcision which God has given to you that joins you to Christ and joins you to his death and his resurrection. It is meant to be a sign to all the world that you are no longer your own. You belong to Christ. What a beautiful thing it is to begin and both end the past year with this, the circumcision and naming of Christ. Because every single one of us in this room knows that we could have done a better job last year of being faithful to our baptisms, to dying and rising again every morning, but we let the flesh have its way. We let our own will have its way with us. And so our love for God has failed, our love for our neighbor has failed. But this is the day that you hear again about how God fulfilled the law for you in Christ. And how he has given you a new life in your baptism. You are freed this day. You are freed from your sins of 2023. You are free to then consider how you might live before God and by grace and in, in the power of his spirit live a new and better life in 2024. I mean, our desire is not to put the law of God away from us, but to take it back and meditate upon it day and night. For we know that it is still good. Yes, the ceremonial law is gone. The civil law is gone. But the moral law of God yet remains for us. It's written on our hearts and upon our minds how we ought to live together with one another in the body of Christ, how we might also live in the world and yet not be of the world. Welcome to 2024, where you are yet and always the baptized child of God, set to live before God in holiness and righteousness because he has called you to it. So find a daily use for your baptism. Don't act as though the baptism which God gave you so many years ago is no longer useful to you. Make use of the power that God gave you in baptism to subdue the sinful flesh. Because that is why he gives it. You no longer belong to flesh and blood. You belong to God. You are his own child, born anew, in the spirit of the living God. So leave behind your failings, leave behind your sins, and rise again this night to stand before God in joy and thanksgiving, for he has forgiven you in the blood shed by Christ. You belong to God's grace, and his love is living within you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord.